Caruso. Lebron. Lebron. La volcada el Ponti con permiso. La falta personal y a la línea de libre se irá Lebron James. Hola, bienvenido al podcast Deep 2 NBA. We just heard the Spanish rendition of LeBron James' thunderous dunk from the Lakers, Game Six win against Miami. The Lakers are champions. We have so much to talk to, so I'll introduce Sean Carroll, Lucas Petridis, Alessio Conte, myself, Dante Boffa. This is the four-man wave. Fellas, let's get into it. Can I just say, Lucas just muted himself for a while, and the whole point of an audio form being like on a podcast is so we can... Like, capture all of our emotions and shit. And you can, you <laughs> I would have been laughing through the whole thing. I was, <laughs> just I was so unaware. Did I oh, nail yeah. it? Did I get any... That was amazing. You did good. You did good, Dante. But, yeah, so did the Lakers. And the Lakers are champions, which, you know, it's a, it's a long way to get here. It was the longest season in NBA history. But finally, we have a champion. Like a Goran Dragic with a robotic leg couldn't save him. Bam Adebayo still looked hurt. Jimmy Butler looked absolutely gassed, but I guess that's what 47 minutes does to you. And the Lakers just absolutely ate their lunch. Even after watching most of that last game, I like, got me a little crazy, but I still don't think that Laker ro- roster is like actually good. Yeah, no, it's not. No way. At all. Not even like remotely no good. Like the... They, it took them six games to not play a center. So that, was a, that was a big tick. And by six games, I mean 67 plus however many playoff games, like what, 20 playoff games or something? Mm, well, it took um, them a series to get rid of JaVale and then like really tighten up the roster there. And it turns yeah. out tightening it up was actually just getting rid of all the Cs on their, on their lineup. Yeah, which everyone knew anyway. And then, like, all their wing rotation is kind of bad. I found it, like, really hard to watch. And I just can't believe that they absolutely smash, even with the injuries and stuff, I can't believe how much they smashed them. Mm. I think that you're right about the... Uh, you're definitely right about the this team. If this team, I would give this team no shot of winning next year's ring. I think what? that they really need to restructure what they have. Bold Court uh, was their favourites uh, as of today. Their favourites tied with the Clippers to win next season. No, I, I give them no chance. If they if they don't make any changes, I trust KCP, Rondo, LeBron, AD, and Caruso, but not as a good player, just as a, you know, oh, I am Alex Caruso. I am just a role player. Mm. And then after that, it's like, ugh. <laughs> I think that's harsh on, on the Lakers reserves because, and granted, I'll say that all of them are streaky. So there's no one in there that you say like, oh, like we can we can consistently rely on this guy every single game. Like Rondo in two of the games this series looked like the third best player. In the other games, he shot like 20% combined. But KCP had like a couple of big games where he's hitting like 14, 15 points. Good D. Caruso like is a genuinely, genuinely good ball handler. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can give him the ball and you can trust him to like run a little bit of offense, attack off closeouts and stuff. And he's a great defender. He's literally like one of the best um, like on-ball defenders that I remember watching. What? And he's always in with like timely blocks and deflections and stuff. So I think that's a bit harsh to say that they're not genuinely good, Aless. But Lucas, I do agree with you that uh, this team is currently constructed. I don't think has a chance to repeat next season. But I think given the fact that there's potentially going to be less money to fly around this year, if there's some veterans that are opening free agents and they're like, look, I'm not going to get the 15 that I wanted, like maybe I'll just take the 6 million MLE and go sign with the Lakers because they're going to be that destination. And LeBron's kind of restored himself to that like veteran ring chaser, number one destination that 
they were with the Heat and the and the Cavs. So I think this team could look pretty different with maybe one or two like good, decent, veteran pieces. Like, well done, Dante. You're defending the supporting cast, which you've fallen directly into my trap. Um, do you do you still think that this team, like this supporting cast, is going to be good when almost all of them are going to be overpaid next season, either on this roster or on one of our rosters? Like, what if Rondo ends up in Phoenix as the backup point guard, as the guy who's just going to stabilize the team, and then all of a sudden playoff Rondo is playoff Rondo, and it's the regular season again, and he reverts back to Sacramento Kings Rondo, where he's just dribbling just so he can get the last pass with like four seconds on the shot clock and get an assist. What if what if Rondo like? Just re- what if Rondo just re-signs on like a reasonable deal? What if Rondo's like I'm 33 and I'm I, I I've just had a taste of you know winning again for the first time in 12 years and this is something that I want to do, you know like Dwight's not getting a big contract from anywhere. Travail, you know, inconsequential. Caruso's still under contract. Kuzma's going to be under contract, and then KCP's under contract for for nine million next year. So you know like that's that's your team, and then you add a couple of a couple of like decent, decent vets or like you know okay vets. You just saw the Bucks, you know, be on pace to win fucking you know seventy nine games in the regular season with with Wesley Matthews starting at the two. You know, so mm. the the bar for like a decent veteran acquisition is not particularly high. And with the full, you know, like uh, I'm, I don't know, don't know the don't have the cap details in front of me, but I'm assuming they'll be the taxpayer mid-level exception, which should fall at about six or seven mil. So, you know, one one player below that, one player at that, and there you go, you reloaded. LeBron James, Anthony Davis, you know. Let's end the conversation there. I've right, said the only two names that matter. <laughs> let's end the conversation there. Let's not bring up Markeith Morris. But, guys, do you think LeBron was warranted in sending death threats to Danny Green and his fiance? <laughs> yes. Big yes. I think that he stuffed up with the Kevin Love tweet a couple of years ago, but this one was absolutely bang Excellent on point. because either Danny Green's going to go into his shell and Vogue was forced to bench him or he's <laughs> going to start playing better. And it didn't end up mattering, which is fine. But um, going off that, I every year for the past maybe three to four years throughout the season, LeBron has been pushed to like third or fourth, like, who do you want on your team to like run to the end of the playoffs sort of thing? And we get to the end of the playoffs and it's like, ah, oh, right. He actually is that good all the time, mm. no matter what. And we really need to stop. And like, I never have fallen into the trap and uh-huh. pat myself on the back, but like you, you read like NBA analysts and they're saying how like these guys that watch the sport all the time and they just forget, they have the, and you know, Lucas said goldfish memory, which is pretty much bang on for any NBA fan all, but like, holy shit, how many times does he have to like be the best at the end to just I think, know, prove that he's the best at the end? I think we go through the same thing every single season and every single season, the regular season becomes less and less valuable. And then we get to the end of the playoffs and we're like, oh wait, no, he's still the best player. He's still the best player. Uh, everyone goes crazy over, you know, different regular seasons. And I think, a very good example of this is they give when they give out MVP at the end of the second round and everyone's like, wait, what are you talking about? LeBron's having the best playoffs. But like Giannis is obviously the regular season MVP. 
Yeah, but you bring up a good point about the leadership because I think that was really necessary in such a strange and unprecedented situation with the bubble because so many teams needed a leader and you saw guys that did really well during the regular season and have been to the playoffs before. But when the rubber met the road, Kawhi Leonard couldn't lead that Clippers team to to where they needed to be and he really kind of wilted in the final game in Game 7. And like they had three opportunities to close out that series and couldn't get it done. You look at Giannis with Milwaukee and like he really did try and force the issue and he said that he wants to bash through the wall that is Bam Adebayo, but why didn't you do it in you know one of the games that you played against Miami and, and XYZ. But LeBron was able to come in, like they lost a game to Portland and then everyone's saying they're going to lose to Portland and Dame's going to go through and win it all. But LeBron was just a calm, steady head and in an elimination game or a knockout game, LeBron is still one of the greatest guys you can ever have on your roster. And he proved it again with this most recent run. Yeah, I think there's been kind of a flip in recent years. I think similarly to what you were saying, Lucas, but like from pretty much from 2010 to like, let's say, let's say like 18, every season that LeBron didn't win the MVP, which I think he won his last MVP in like 2013 or something, like his second last season with the Heat maybe. And then the last season, it was like it was Durant that won the 2013-14. And then onwards, it's been someone else every year. There's the conversation in there, and everyone's kind of been like, oh, like this guy's MVP, but we know that like LeBron's the best. And then in the last few, and you know, people were justifying giving these guys MVP because they're like, yeah, Kevin Durant had a better season without Russell Westbrook than LeBron did in Cleveland. Like he averaged 32, da da da, shooting splits, you know, like. 50, 49 club, whatever. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. But LeBron's still the best. And then the last like, two, three years, you're right. It's kind of flipped. And people are like, oh, like this guy, I'd much rather have. And, you know, like, and we're, we're guilty of it as well, like with Kawhi Leonard. And he genuinely did have one of like the, the best postseasons we've seen in, you know, at least our lives last season. But LeBron wasn't in those playoffs. So I think we may have got carried away with being like, oh, like Kawhi is like the number one guy. And, LeBron kind of alluded to that in his post-game speech when he's like, the first thing that he said is I put so much effort into being available for my team, my teammates and being there mentally and physically. And it's like, damn, true. Because the dude that, the dude that we were going into the season, everyone was saying, this guy is now the best. He won the chip. He won the finals MVP. Um, that dude only played, you know, 70% of your team's games. And the whole purpose of that is that you come into the playoffs and you're just like ready to go. And he wasn't. Um, and LeBron's almost 36 years old in his 17th year. This longevity is something that we haven't seen, you know, we haven't seen from anyone outside of maybe like Kareem, maybe Carmelo and like still being this good going into their um, age 36 season. And I think like, you know, just to kind of track it back to what you said before, Les, I think that is, this is just a reminder that he is this good and he always has been this good. And he... Um, yeah, he's he's going to continue being this good. Potentially, you know, like we might be we might be talking to our kids and be like, oh, did you see what LeBron did last night? Just a cheeky, <laughs> just a cheeky 28, 11 and 7 in, in a road win. And they'll be like, yeah, man, this guy's been doing it forever. You know, he's crazy. Just before we move on to the other side of the coin in Miami, are any of you guys going to pick the Lakers to win the whole thing next season? After all oh. that LeBron gushing? <laughs> oh, no, I could... I, not this team. Not this team. We got to I, I see how I it couldn't back out. this team. Yeah, <clears throat> but there's yeah, no way I can back this team. I'll, I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, I will actually. Yeah, <laughs> they put they put what I believe to be like a dog shit around him outside of Davis, and he won. So assuming they pick anyone, like what Dante said, 
anyone. Um, yeah, I mean, the favourites, but like, God, there are still 30 teams that rock up and 10 of them that are good enough. So who knows before free agents are signed. And I think the bubble might have saved the cap from dropping, but it's definitely not going to rise like it was supposed to as it was projected pre-pandemic or whatever. So the the bubble and the Lakers being at the final game of the bubble or like being in the final series would have made the NBA a little bit extra money, which might have in turn saved the Lakers cap situation. So winning this season might, I mean, like as stupid as it sounds, be the reason that they can win next season almost. Mm, and also every single person in the Philippines ever watched game six as well. So that's, that's going <laughs> to help the situation a bit as well. And 2K, 2K's advertising money, but we're not going to talk about that. Move on. <laughs> uh, Lucas, I know you're excited to talk about the heat. So give us a couple of words. I'll give you a couple of words. Uh, I feel like after game one, uh, well, after their three, two and a half injuries, everyone thought that this should have been a four or maybe a five game series. So I think, Given the context, the Heat should be so proud that it went to six games. Mm. Um, and this series as a whole, three of the four Laker wins were blowouts and the first Heat win felt like it wasn't a contest, which is four out of the six games. Yet this was still a really interesting series. Um, I think that playing Bam was the right choice, like rushing him back, because like, there's no way of replicating playing against LeBron in the finals. He could miss the entire regular season and the two and a half games he played against the two and a half games he played this series will be infinitely more valuable than 82 regular season games. Mm, yeah. And, and you make a good point. And Rachel Nichols tweeted out a little photo video um, right after the game, which was Bam says that after every single game and every single day in the bubble, he goes for a walk around Lake Buena Vista, Florida. And he went for a walk the night after the finals, game six of the finals. And as he walked on his usual route, he saw the Lakers celebrating in their hotel. And then he was like, this is invaluable. Like, you know, this really motivated me. And like, it's really cliche and crap, but that's exactly right. Because I always like to bring up the point that Greg Monroe, a good player in Dante's eyes, um, is a guy. No, not, no in Alessa's <laughs> eyes, please. Yeah, I love, I loved Greg Monroe, man. Oh my God. Detroit Monroe was a killer. But yeah, even like a young, a young Monroe is a good player, right? Maybe not a killer, but he's a good player for 2011. <laughs> and he didn't make the playoffs for six seasons. And Bam Adebayo in what's his third season has just made it to the finals and faced against LeBron. And like, that's, yeah, that's that's awesome. Because now when Boston keeps making the playoffs, we're going to look at Marcus Smart and be like, well, he's been to the Eastern Conference Finals three times. Like you can trust him. Whereas you look elsewhere and other young teams that are rising, maybe Atlanta might be the next one where it's like, well, what have they really done? Like, you, you know, they still have to eat their lumps before they can, you know, progress to the higher plane, like the Golden State level. I definitely think, um, I just think that um, if you if you have proven yourself in the playoffs, you're allowed to take the regular season off. So if Bam has a bad regular season, give him a break until we see what he does in the playoffs. But, you know, like you said, the Hawks, they, they have no right to take this regular season off or take it anything less than 100% every single game. Trey Young hasn't proved anything. John Collins hasn't proved everything. Obviously, they're young and they're young as, but until you've proven yourself in the playoffs, you don't get to take the regular season off. Sorry, Liz. Yeah, and like Bam is one of the only bodies in the NBA that like literally matches up pound to pound against LeBron, and I think height as well. It's like Iguodala is shorter, Butler's shorter. They're both weaker. Crowder is shorter and smaller. I think Bam is literally like the only guy, obviously on the Heat roster, but like you look across the league and 
Paul George might be the same height, but he is nowhere near as big. Kawhi probably matches up pretty evenly. Durant's too skinny. Game-winning shot, game-clinching shot in his first finals above LeBron uh, in a Warriors uniform and went pound for pound with him. So he's not too skinny. I'm talking about... I'm talking about like literally backing him down and just beating the crap out of him, sort of thing. Um, LeBron's game, like Durant, is too skinny for the LeBron that we just saw this playoffs. He could have done it two years ago. No, but he wasn't doing it two years ago. He was taking people off the dribble. Why are we talking about this? This is a Bam out of buy discussion. And if that guy was healthy, I don't think the series would have been any different. But Mm. if he continues to be healthy, he is. They were coming down the court on some plays where Butler was defending the third. So Crowder had Davis, Adebayo had LeBron, and Butler would defend the third one. Like, mm. that's that's a nuts amount of flexibility as a defensive unit, which we already knew they had. Mm. But the, like, you watch it, and you watch it, and you're like, oh shit, these guys can do anything. Mm. So really cool. I I actually love it. I love him so much. Let's also not act like it wasn't LeBron and us for taking on Thanos and KD during those finals. Yeah, it was like LeBron, AD, and you know the best three of us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm on the Pretty bench. Much. You're Pretty on the much. bench? Okay. Um, <laughs> even though you beat me when we played one-on-one the other day. Uh, I'd just like to point to a report that Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer had, uh, would have been five days ago now, which was saying during the finals, he was saying that a lot of... Uh, a lot of front office executives were sort of envious of the position Miami's in because they've made this run with all their rookies and their young players and, you know, they didn't actually have any right to be here and they did really well in this bubble and, and in the playoff run. And he said that a lot of front office executives say that, from, you know, potential trade targets and free agents who might have a wandering eye are going to look to Miami and say, well, well, they've done this with Jimmy Butler's great. And we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler, but they've done it without a like super duper star. They don't have a Steph LeBron or a KD. Right. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm currently writing my winners and losers article for Sir Charles and charge, which will be out by the time you listen to this. And uh, <laughs> I wrote for the winners. I wrote, obviously the Lakers are winners, but then the second winner is the Miami heat because they weren't supposed to be here and they made it to the finals, which is an incredible feat. And no one expected them to win. They didn't win, but they they're getting better from here and they've got obviously the cap space to sign Giannis in 2021. They've got enough young players and enough picks. They've got their future picks in 25, 26, 27 that they can bundle together to trade for a superstar who, you know, might want to get out. And they've got a solid ecosystem, even if they trade like a handful of those players in Bam, Jimmy, Derek Jones Jr. And um, anyone else who's going to come back. I was back. wondering when Derek Jones Jr. was going to get mentioned. <laughs> well, I wish he got mentioned like by Kevin Harlan, like fucking any of those six games, but sadly not. But they, they are primed to be the next best team once this Golden State team uh, fades out. Once the team with the second overall pick fades out. Yeah. A cynic yeah. might say that getting the second overall pick is fading out, but you know, that's just, that's just the cynic's view. That's just a cynic's view. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think this team is really is really well positioned, and I don't think, but I kind of think they're in a bit of a precarious situation because part of what makes them so good is the those young dudes who you talked about. Like, I don't think they could trade one of Hero or Robinson in a deal for like a bigger star and not lose like a substantial part of what they of what they do of that versatility like they've got like dudes on that like, movable contract like someone like a Crowder or an Iggy who would have value around the league um but that that like those role players are exactly what makes them so good so I think 
if they were to dip their toes into the trade market and go big fish hunting, I think that that would what be game hunting. You don't really hunt for fish. You more fish for fish, don't you? Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I think they. I think this team should, you know, like, and we know that they've got the cap space, like you said, John. So I think they should be fully set on on twenty twenty one to bring in another uh, all NBA level dude, be it Giannis or otherwise, next to next to Jimmy, because for all of the talk of you know like Jimmy. Not being a top 15 guy, which at, at times has been justified. Um, you know, like he, he, he really has delivered. And I was just thinking about it before, like who, and I would have been among them. I would have probably said that Jimmy is like top 20 dude, but probably in like the 17, 18, 19 range, like an all-star, but not necessarily a sure thing for All-NBA every year. But a lot of the dudes who we'd be putting ahead of him haven't had a high leverage playoff moment series or run like he has this year so you're looking at like dudes like paul george even dames last season when they went to the western conference final he wasn't doing as much and then you're looking at like young dudes like a simmons or an Embiid, haven't done it um a lot of the dudes who we'd be putting in that that tier have have not really showed up when it matters and i think it needs to be really strongly weighed that jimmy actually did put it a team that was, you know, like pretty much him, another all-star and role players on his back. And the stuff that he, like for the whole playoffs and the stuff they did in this finals is, you know, unprecedented. What was the, it was the game three or the game four stat line where he was the only like the, the third player with a 40-point triple-double in finals history and the first to do it when his team got the win. Yeah, That's wild. He was also the first player to outscore LeBron in all major stat categories. Yeah, didn't see Kevin Durant doing that, Sean, did we? Oh. He didn't. But Kevin Durant won the series. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you bring up Simmons and Embiid because they had their most success when Jimmy was on their team when they went against the Raptors in well last year. I mean, you know, it's a second round exit, but still, they lost to the eventual champions. Was it interesting? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Come to the floor. Because of the way way you compared them, it's like, how the fuck do I word this? We completely discount the fact that he was on their team and they're they're not just people we compare him against. They They were teammates of his. They were people we compared him alongside and they have had their most success with him. And I am, I will gladly say I'm an Embiid hater, but you know, what has he achieved? Well, and the other thing is, is you know, talking about performance in a high-leverage playoff spot, obviously that second-round series against the Raptors, the intensity of it was, you know, it could have been an NBA Finals. And the, the Sixers, we all know, were four bounces away from going through and playing the Bucs in their, in their conference finals. But that whole series, who was the one who's delivering those performances down the clutch for Philly? Who was the dude who had the last points of that series to put it the sixes up by, by, by one or by two with four seconds left. It was Jimmy, you know? And, and he's someone who like, like, and I'm guilty of this as well. Like I would, if you had to ask me two months ago, I would have said, oh, I'd take, you know, Simmons right now over Jimmy any day of the week. No, no questions asked. And this, this performance is kind of like making me recontextualize the way that I think about someone like Jimmy, who traditionally is like, or NBA third team, or like, you know, like comes in as like the 10th guy on the all-star team. Gets traded for Josh Richardson. He's at that sort of level. Yeah. Yeah, but at least Josh Richardson has cool hair, right? So. That's true. Yeah. You give and you get. 
Yeah, I mean, like, it's definitely, I, I was a Jimmy hater for the past three franchises prior to Miami because I feel like he broke Chicago and then he broke the Timberwolves. Not that he broke Philadelphia, but they could not, he didn't break any of them. None of them could handle him. Um, in an, and I used to think of it in a bad way. And then you watch him with a team that can handle him and you're like, oh, right. He's also really good. <laughs> He's really good. And as long as the other people aren't shit or they aren't like mentally weaker, I don't, like, I don't want to say anything too mean about, um, you can say it. Cat's a bitch. And beads. Yeah. Harry yeah, Martin is a bitch. Beads a bitch. Simmons is always hurt. Yeah. They're all bitches. And then he goes to Miami Heat culture and um, they explode. So, yeah. he Jimmy's good. <laughs> um, Aless, you said it a couple... You said it in the chat about how crazy... It's crazy how much fit matters in the NBA. And I'd say as someone that has, you know, been standing Jimmy ever since he went to the Timberwolves and said, you guys need to make a change or else I'm going. Him as a player hasn't changed for five or six years, depending on if you like him or not. This situation just got him covered. Him making the finals just kept him in the limelight on the biggest stage where he could get the most exposure. But I have always loved his game. And I think that I would say in terms of who Jimmy Butler the player is, I would say that this, this is exactly who he has been for the past, you know, yeah, five Five years if you hate him, six years if you love him. Mm. Yeah, and that's exact. That's exactly right. Like, he hasn't changed at all. He's not a three-point shooter. He's a slasher. He can defend anyone. He's just now in a situation where he's won the games that he was sort of like pressing to win already. So it was really cool to watch. Mm. And R- Ricky O'Donnell, who's Bulls blogger for SB Nation, said, you know, in in retrospect, while watching this series, he said, look. Yeah, I, I don't know if the Bulls are going to get better in the near future, but whatever they do, they're never going to get someone as close to being as good as what Jimmy was, even in Chicago. And you could say he's gotten better in the years with Minnesota and Philly um, after he left Chicago. If you put him in a situation where like, there's people who can actually handle his personality and his vigor and his intensity and not only like, handle it, but match it and come up you know, and match that drive, he will put up. 38 and 10 in the NBA finals, which is exactly what we just saw. But I think, you know, the, the biggest takeaway is that rookie Tyler Hero is already doing things that Kat has never even sniffed. Yeah, it's weird to think. Just, yeah. just like JaVale McGee's got more titles than Larry Bird. Not to, not to give like Bill Simmons and Ryan Russillo heaps of credit, but they did Don't the. Do um... it less. Don't do it. <laughs> No, 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 no. It was a good. It was a good bit. It was. Would you trade Hero for the number one pick? Like, if you're either team, and the Timberwolves say yes, and the Heat say no, <laughs> and like, can you can you disagree? I don't know. Like, Anthony Edwards probably like probably can't shoot as well as Hero. Um, probably can't dribble. Like, they might have the same sort of ball handling skills. Anthony Edwards isn't projected to be a good defender. So let's say they're even on the defensive end. And like, yeah, everything we're saying about these young guys going and like hero beat Boston, hero and Bam beat Boston sort of thing. That wasn't really Jimmy. Jimmy beat the Lakers from what I saw anyway. So like you wouldn't, you wouldn't trade him, right? Like you would just keep, you would keep hero. You wouldn't bother with the number one pick. I think that it's, it's you, the heat shouldn't get away from what brought them here. So if they I don't think they should dismantle their team to get a superstar. 
they they made the finals you know like they've made the finals if unless it makes 100% sense for the heat to make the move to dismantle their core even a little bit hero had massive moments in the playoffs since his first season you don't trade him for the number one pick especially if you're competing uh yeah i don't think you dismantle this roster unless the unless you fleece another team you know this is a core that got to the nba finals yeah, and they have the luxury of not having to do that. They can sit still for one season. Goran Dragic's $25 million comes up at the end of the season, then you assume he either re-signs that you know, he's got to be less than that number and then they can fill in maybe a... I'm a big fan of them just overpaying someone for a one-year deal. Like, uh, who's the Washington shooter? What's his name? Bradley Beal. Nah. Oh, Bertans. <laughs> yeah, Bertans, or maybe even Jeremy Grant. They can try and price out Jeremy Grant in um, in Denver, but just on a one-year deal saying, look, we'll, we'll pay you for one year, then we're going to go after Giannis. If we don't get Giannis, then maybe we'll look about bringing you back on a, on a big money deal. But if we do get Giannis, then you're going to want to play for us for a discounted rate anyway. So, like, you know, win-win. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And, like, let's say they do get in a Jimmy Butt, in a, sorry, in a Bradley Beal trade. We all probably say you're better off. I love Bradley Beal, but you're probably better off just sitting still because there is Oladipo and – Giannis in 2021, and there is no pressure on you to do anything right now. So, perfect spot. So, what do they actually have to drop um, outside of Dragic's contract, which automatically goes? They won't be paying Iggy anymore, assuming he he's got, accepts. He's gonna he's gonna pick up his 15 mil next he'll year. He'll take it, yeah. Because why wouldn't you? Whatever. So that's what 40 million gone. Does that just pay for Giannis's contract? Do they not have to make any more moves apart from uh, making sure they don't pay Jay Crowder a lot of money? After after the trade to get rid of Justice Winslow and James Johnson, they have the money open um, if they do nothing to sign Giannis just freely as he walks in the door in 2021. But they do have to re-sign Goran Dragic and Jake Crowder. But Heat culture, guys, you can probably convince him to take a discount with the thought being, hey, look, we have a chance of getting this dude. What's Dragic Crowder even making? Dude. Eight mil last year and now he's, now he's expired. Dragic is definitely coming back and he's definitely coming back on a small deal because he got the you know the first taste of true playoff success he's ever had and wasn't able to like be there. And he's a competitive dude and like you know, like he'll absolutely want to run it back. Um and then the other, you know, like the other um the other big money that they've got um still in their books for next season will be Iggy at fifteen and um, Kelly Olynyk sneaky at thirteen, um, but Iggy's tra- Iggy's tradable, um, you know. And I think even you know, like you said, Sean, them you know going like the one year overpay or whatever. I know I said before that I think they should stay away from the trade market, but they could actually be a an interesting um, candidate for Haywood or Oladipo should they come up because they'll be able to bring in that salary. They're both on expiring, assuming that Haywood picks up his. Um, 30 or so million dollar um, option, which he's obviously going to do. So they'd be able to bring those two dudes in who are probably pretty like low floor, high ceiling and potentially wouldn't command that much because sentiment is that they're both going to lead their teams anyway. And I don't think they'd have to give up too much for it. Like you maybe do like, like you know, two first round picks and none or something. Um, and, and kind of, you get to kind of keep, keep those really important, important role players. Uh, I think with the Dragic point, if Dragic coming, does anyone want to guess how much Dragic has made over his career? Oh. 120. Oh, that was really close. 115. He's made yeah. 115 million US dollars, which is like, what, 160 odds? And 
I mean, yeah, yeah. He he made the finals. He got a taste. He got injured. I'm sure. I'm sure that he would want to come back on this team. He, I'm like even a vet min. Like he has made the money. I think that. I think that he would. He's going to resign. Um, and yeah, yeah. If you make it this far and this is how you go out, like you specifically, I think. Yeah, I think he'll definitely resign. Any any further points in the finals and these two teams before we move on? Um, well, I shouldn't have shot the three. Come on. <laughs> uh, not so much the finals, but just the playoffs. I feel like you can learn a lot, a lot from the playoffs. And these definitely, they affirmed one thing and they taught me another. The first thing is that they affirmed that you need multiple scorers that, create, that can create their own shot, not just score in the flow of the offense. And I think that we saw that in the Bucks. They, um, that, was, that was their, you know, they had Middleton who could create his own shot, but even Giannis, you know, he doesn't have a mid-range game. He doesn't have a three-point game. No one else in that team could create their own shot. And then secondly, something I learned was that the same thing goes with playmakers. Uh, you know, players that can kill, cause a defensive breakdown outside of the flow of the offense. Um, so, yeah, you got these great systems, but when it comes down to a high-pressure moment in the finals, you need a guy that can get to the basket or get a foot inside the key and make a play or take a shot. And they could have had both of those things with Malcolm Brogdon, but they decided not to do it for tax reasons, which is... Still fucking incredible, and we should bring it up every single episode until <laughs> the end of time. I solemnly pledge that I will do that. <laughs> um, we still have a pledge running where we're not allowed to talk about the Knicks, actually. Still <laughs> something of, of interest happened. About the which, who? Yeah, exactly. I, I actually, I really want to say this, even though I just said that we're not going to talk about it, but there was a report um, coming from our, our mate, Stefan Bondi, who said that... <laughs> um, Dennis Smith Jr. has been working out with Muhammad Abdul-Rauf and that the Knicks are really interested in his, quote, commitment, unquote. Which is, um, are they yeah, also interested yeah. in his effective field goal percentage? Cause, nah, nah, nah. Yeah. Sorry about that. Nah, nah, that you, look, that's not going to be on an advert, you know? Not, his stats aren't going to be scrolling on the bottom of an ad. That's probably good for him and good for us. <laughs> is, the, is the commitment to be traded to Oklahoma for Chris Paul? Or? <laughs> What's the commitment? <laughs> Good. Does OKC want him? Like that would be the, that would <laughs> no, be the third team to look at him. They just if, want all if, the picks. If he goes to OKC, the first report coming out of OKC is going to be like report OKC staff sees a little bit of Westbrook in Dennis Smith Jr. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Report Dennis Smith Jr. feels homesick. Misses New York. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Tobacco companies aren't allowed to advertise anywhere in Australia and a number of other countries. Even if you haven't seen Mad Men yet, you understand why. It's obvious. But it wasn't always this way. Tobacco advertising used to flood Australian sport until the late 1980s. Something that was completely normalised then now seems unfathomable today. Australians lose over $1.2 billion annually by gambling on sport. And it may seem harmless to put a multi on if you think you've got an edge, but what's harmful is the growing normalization of sports gambling and the massive increase in the risk of addiction. What's worse is that these companies are raking in your money, throwing it back into advertising and even targeting children, the next generation of gamblers in their eyes. The gambling industry spends millions on advertising every year to make it look exciting and risk-free often placing their ads in places where they know kids and teenagers will see them the most. Next time you're watching any sport, basketball, footy, tennis, cricket, or anything else, try and see how long you can go without seeing an ad for betting. Now imagine you're a kid watching the game. There's no way to avoid it. A 12-year-old in Australia today has never even seen a professional sports game without gambling advertisements. 
The answer isn't to ban sports gambling, but there needs to be a change in the way it's advertised. Follow the link in this episode's description or type in endgamblingads.org.au forward slash petition to sign the petition to remove gambling ads from the sports we love and go back to enjoying it without any money on it. (laughs) Uh, All right, well, should we move on to the season in review, the longest season in NBA history? Yeah, let's do it. Um, Obviously, a lot of things happened this year. Uh, Incredible season, heaps of fun. The first season of the Deep Two's existence, the first full season. Um, Luckily for us, there was a lot to talk about and a lot happened. But uh, let's just go through some of our... Some of, the, some of the more interesting moments uh, that happened throughout the season and just talking about them a little bit, where, where do we want to start off? With um... start the start of the season? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that works. So opening night where the Clippers beat the Lakers? I remember opening night like it was yesterday. <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it was last year. Um, exactly. Um, uh, October last year. I remember being with anywhere between, you know, four and 11 mates Watching, watching the Clippers beat the Lakers and within three minutes of the tip-off, calling LeBron <laughs> the washed yet again. I mean, <laughs> even, I, yeah. even I, who I consider myself a very big LeBron fan, fall into the trap of hating him as soon as he makes one mistake and thinking that this was, um, this was it. I thought that this was his last real chance of being a champion and now he showed that, uh, of winning another ring and now he showed that, like, just let him fall off we, we can't fair though he did get Montrose Harrell on a couple of isolations and literally couldn't get past him and had to settle for contested mid-ranges so you were warranted in thinking that because I thought the exact same thing but <laughs> look, he just did a mic drop moment after he won the title and more respect to him as he so solemnly requested <laughs> solemnly if, requested I don't know I just came to the head keep going <laughs> if he if like Michael Jordan gets so much credit for like picking up little things and like making making up chips on his shoulder and shit like all right well let's just give lebron credit as well then i guarantee you he missed he didn't take on montrose harrell so that the noise would be that he couldn't do it anymore and now a whole year later it's like oh right so if jordan gets the credit so does lebron he probably had a tweet ready um, where he was just going to retweet someone for saying, look, he couldn't get past Montrez, but the Clippers obviously uh, fell apart before they could actually prove that. Good one. Not <laughs> sorry, I was, just, uh, I was just doing some reading. Oh, Clippers sorry, did fall man. apart. Are we, are we keeping you here? <laughs> no, I'm actually... I'm, uh, I'm, reading, um, I'm reading the fourth Game of Thrones book, so I was just catching up. <laughs> Is this from The Wash King? Is this a Wash King reference? No, no, no. I was that's just a drowned just god. That's that's something different, isn't it? Yeah, different. What does dead man ever die? Uh, something I want to bring up is Stephen Curry breaking his hand and then not coming back for maybe a month or two after he was fully healed. You know, the projection, the, the timeline was X weeks, X months, and then he came back about a month later, played two games, and then the season was cut short thanks to the coronavirus. But it's, this might be one of the best things to happen to the Warriors because if Steph plays out the full season, I think they probably win like just – Maybe maybe they break even with with the roster that we ended up watching with one uh, Toscano Anderson and like Yvonne Looney not playing all year and like Michael Mulder being my like lone 
uh, bright spot for the whole season. So it's probably quite quite grim with just Steph there. It would have been much more enjoyable to watch, but they probably win a lot more games because Steph's great. And then we probably don't get, or we definitely don't get the second overall pick and we don't have this trade chip, which might be one of the least valuable second overall picks ever, but that's all right. We still get a trade chip to, to rebuild and, I, I really want to see what we do with it. And I really want to see whether we draft the Tim Duncan to our David Robinson or where we, <laughs> we trade for whoever, whoever that, um, that next guy may be. And I'm really, really interested to see what happens. And luckily and unluckily it happens because Steph broke his hand because Aaron Baines uh, <laughs> just fell. <laughs> Such a stupid play, but nevertheless. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to walk back my Lakers to win the title comment because I literally forgot that the Warriors existed. So, yeah. edit in post, please. Walk, walk, walk that all the way back. What a, what a ridiculously stupid take because doesn't they could do they could just draft the player and the player is just going to end up being fantastic anyway. So, Curry, Thompson, Dry, Green, Looney, plus the number two or whatever they happen to trade it for if they ship it with Wiggins or if they ship it with you name you name it. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was just going to say, Les, now I feel really vulnerable because I was kind of enjoying you being staunchly on the Lakers to repeat corner <laughs> so that I can kind of have like one foot in and one foot out and, you know, like split the middle. But now with you gone... I feel like I'm being exposed and I'll have to commit one way or the other, which, you know, in terms of, in terms of being right, it's always easier if you can just kind of like straddle the line and then pick at a later date. So thanks for outing me like that. You could have just not commented to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a Sagittarius just like you were on a special. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Well done, Tate. Well, oh, I can't believe you said that. For future reference, <laughs> consider me all the way out of the Lakers and all the way in on Golden State. <laughs> uh, sure. I'll Let's see you here the... next next July. For the... <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Dante. You said Sagittarius. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Taurus rising. Uh, Sean. <laughs> Let's say this, the Suns come out and say... No, sorry, not the Suns. The Warriors come out and say, we're taking the number two pick. We obviously can't get Lavar because Minnesota are all in on him. Who do we want? Lavar. Lavar. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Didn't they th- say they're all in on him? Yeah, you said Lavar. I know. I thought you guys would just laugh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's me undies. Oh, sorry, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So they have to draft someone. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, who's that? Oh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Chinke Onowaku. Oh, clamp God. Just because from what I've heard and, and from what I heard is from Sam Vecini, a guy who covers the draft for the athletic, he has pretty much said that, you know, if you really like someone, take them. But other than that, like if you personally know that you think that LeVar is going to be a great player, then that's, that's more power to you. But he believes that, look, every single player is about as good as the 12 to 14th pick in an ordinary mm-hmm. draft. So obviously that's great value if you've got the 12 or 14 pick, because that's the player you're going to get. But if you've got any of the earlier picks, it's like, well, man, you may as well just like line them all up and just throw spin around a couple of circles and throw a rock, like whichever one you land on. And you just got to project it. Like you got to look at everyone's best case scenario. And I just think like, you know, one of those modern players who is just incredible on defense and switchy witchy and just the modern player, the 2020 player. And I think if he hits, but then again, I'm also like, 
I'm also a bit scared that we're going to get burned. If we, if we don't trade the pick, we're going to look back and go, oh, well, look, we tried to be too smart because all these guys said the yeah. draft was shit. The last draft that was shit had like Rudy Gobert, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and mm. um, what's his name? Oladipo. CJ. <laughs> um, actually, we had a debate, didn't we, Dante? Would you rather pick? We, we, re, we redrafted and you and I got stuck on CJ versus Oladipo. And um, yeah. I came out victorious with Oladipo, of course. But yeah, so... <sighs> It's like you can really get burnt because, you know, 14 teams whiffed on Giannis. But, oh, well, that's, that's, that's the fun part of the draft. Someone tell me why Oladipo wants to leave Indiana all of a sudden. <sighs> like, that, that <laughs> caught no me. Idea. I was blindsided because the whole, the whole, like, the Indiana, the Oladipo-Paul George trade, not like hinged on, but... It's like, oh, he's from Indiana. He went to school in Indiana. I don't think he like grew up there, but he went to yeah, he played he college there. That was like this massive thing. And now they're like winning games. And oh, if he wasn't hurt, like maybe the paces were what the Heat were. Obviously, the paces aren't as good as what the Heat were. But pre-bubble, there was this whole rumble like, shit, if Pico Oladipo comes back and Sabonis was playing, and I don't rate Turner, but say what you will, um, like the paces could be a fifth seed that is as good as an Eastern two seed. Um, and now he doesn't want to play there anymore. And it really, really caught me off guard. Yeah, especially because he's been injured. So it's not like he's been playing and he's like, well, who are, these, who are all these bums around me? Like, you know, Danny Green, get fucked. It's like, it's not like he can't, he can play and see that his team's not as good as he thinks it is. He literally, he's not playing. And if you're the best player not playing on your team, then of course they're not going to be as good as you expect. So what, what are you complaining about? Also, on the same note, if you're injured, who's going to want to commit this, like as much money as you want to you outside of the team that has publicly said that they love you and not publicly, but wink, wink, said they want to resign you to a max. It's like, good luck, man. Has Victor Oladipo been a, an all-star with the Pacers? I should probably just figure this out before I say it. Yeah, he, and he was All-NBA as well in 2018. And DeMarcus Sabonis was an All-Star this year. Yeah. I sneaky think wink, that's wink. part of it. <laughs> yeah, but that's a wink-wink. But <clears throat> think about this. Paul George got traded for those two All-Stars. Then Paul George got traded for Gallinari, Gildas Alexander, and 5,000 picks. Is that how good Paul George is? No. In either of those me. trades, does the team that gets Paul George win? Well, if if the Clippers win next year, the Clippers win. But if they don't, then nah. then Paul George has been traded for to a losing to the loser for every single one of his days <laughs> in his career. Wow. What what's the chances that Paul George is like the cheese touch from Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Straight up. Um, and like, I think <laughs> I, I ran through Paul George's like sort of recent few year story with a friend the other day. He, <laughs> he uh, was dating his now coach's or former coach's daughter. Then I'm not sure if he broke up with her or cheated on her with an exotic dancer. I think yeah, he cheated. That's the, that's, he cheated on her, yeah. He cheated. All right. Knocked that woman up. Then she sued him. So then he countersued to get a paternity test in order to like, all right, so I'm not paying for the bills. The paternity test obviously came back that he was the father. And so he had to pay the bills. Then in the midst of double suing each other, they fell in love and had another kid. And now he's still dating her. 
So I think it's been on the cards the whole time that Paul George is a, is a no-go zone. Is the like I no had no idea that now loving husband and wife were former rivals suing oh, each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. Oh my it was gosh. it was it was literally like I'm suing like you don't want to pay alimony, I'm suing you. And then he was like, Fuck that, I'm suing you. Prove that I'm the father. And then obviously like he was. So <laughs> 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 they fell in love. Like, oh man. That's so, the yeah. guy I want to build my team around. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah, I Doc Rivers, do you want to come coach this guy? <laughs> on top of that, um, Doc Rivers' daughter, who you're talking about, who he cheated on initially is now married to Seth Curry and um, Seth Curry scored on him in the first round and yelled bitch ass in his face and TMZ went nuts. Uh, I hate that I know that, but yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was huge. Also, Paul Prop, George's logo. To Seth Curry. So, sorry, what was that about Paul George? <laughs> Paul George's logo for his, like, his brand looks like a fish. Yeah, because he's a fisherman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why they named their kid Derek. Derek Fish. <laughs> Wait, is that kid actually named Derek? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Clippers. Uh, they, I think nearly everyone, I definitely had them to win the championship. And now context is everything, obviously, but let's remove all the context because we're basketball fans. They will, they, most people had them winning the ring, four rounds of the playoffs. They ended up only winning one. Yeah. Terrible. Think about that for a sec. Yeah. And the worst part about it is that, and I'm going to, you know, excuse my language here, all these chumps <laughs> that fill out the roster, I'm looking at like Patrick Beverly, Marcus Morris, literally the whole time they're on this team, they're just drawing at other dudes. Like they're buying into their own myth. They're buying into this myth that like we can't be beaten and like it's destined and like we're so stacked that like we're going to like trample you, talk at you, get in your face and then we're going to lift the chip. Like there's nothing you can do about it. And then not only to like, if you went out in the second round, that's fucking embarrassing enough with behavior like that. But to go out in the second round up 3-1 and to give up leads of 2016 and 14 or whatever it was in all the games and just to go home with such a whimper Fuck you. I hate those guys. (laughs) I love that they manufactured this identity in the first round against the Mavs. Like, "Hmm, this is who we are. We're tough. We're going to beat a 21-year-old. It's going to (laughs) take us six games. And it's going to take a 30-year-old acting more immature than him. And then round two, they lose to 23- and 25-year-olds. Yeah. It's like, it's okay because they said, you know, they, they, Luka Doncic went for 42, 17 and 13 and a game winner, but it's okay because Mark Heath Morris deliberately stepped on his foot. So they set the tone. Yep. <laughs> if we stripped context away for that exercise, let's add the context back in. I think if they beat the Nuggets and then lost to the Lakers, I think they would have gotten away with it. Because they lost to the Nuggets, they are rightfully getting crucified. Um, and fuck Patrick Beverly, just as a side. <laughs> oh, actually, that's one one thing back from this season. The first game of the season, um, Patrick Beverly was like, yeah, Steph Curry and the Warriors just had the last five years. The next five years are ours. Mad. <laughs> Here um, three. The, okay. <laughs> the Clippers um, were one of two teams to have a full strength, their full strength roster in the bubble, or maybe three teams. None of the others were in the West. They went through the Mavs without Porzingis in, in six games and the Nuggets didn't have Will Barton. 
And the Clippers were a full-strength team that were tips to win it all. Yeah, and they all voted against playing um, after the, the protests in the middle of the bubble. Um, we are running along a long time, but just before we wrap up, can we just talk about a little bit about the bubble and some of the best things in the bubble? And by that, I mean, Dante, can you just, you know, <laughs> bask in the glory that is Phoenix's run? What did they, what did they go again? So I think I went undefeated 8-0. Yeah, that's incredible. That's way his better. Memory, that's better than memory serves. Is that including playoff wins? <laughs> <laughs> so because who do you go? Who do you, who do you support? <laughs> and that is episode 78. <laughs> <laughs> um, surely, surely the Bubble Suns do better than the Bubble Blazers against the Lakers. Nah, the Bubble Suns is, Bubble Suns is, a, is sweet. Really? Really? Yeah, LeBron, LeBron guards, LeBron guards Booker, and we got no answer for Davis. Nah. And Lebr- LeBron doesn't guard. LeBron didn't guard Jimmy. LeBron guarded Jimmy at points. Yeah, oh, for like game. in yeah. Game Six. Yeah, when they knew yeah, he had, when I mean, he finally when he figured got, out he had to win. Yeah, but when you you know LeBron wasn't not guarding him because he's like oh no like I can't guard Jimmy. LeBron was not guarding him because they were like oh Anthony Davis is first team all defense. Let's. Let's do that. No, I think I honestly think it would have been um, a sweep. But in the same way that we were talking about Miami before and all their young dudes, you know, Bam and Hero and Robinson, and not that none will be there for very long because I think he's going to be traded because people realise that he's not that good. Um, you just got to play, you know, in the finals against LeBron. Like I think for for the Suns' young guys, like to even make the playoffs and have a taste of that intensity and what it's like and to kind of get a bit of reward for what you've been working towards would have been a really good experience for them going into next season. But saying that ain't no right way to start to, you know, finish the season and to do it with, um, you know, in such a public spotlight, because if it wasn't in the bubble and the Suns finished eight, no, and it was a regular season and we went, you know, we, we, we won the last eight games to bring our tally up to 36 then you know like it wouldn't be wouldn't be as um as notable but i think the fact that it was in the bubble and it was that national storyline and and a couple of these guys are kind of getting like the confidence and the credit they deserve i think that will hold them in good stead going into next season so i'll see all you guys in the western commerce finals next year. <laughs> well i think uh, like jokes aside they were sort of like showing that they've got those young three points they have the makings of the roster they've got the two young Three and D guys, um, Bridges, and I forgot the guy from Carolina's name. Cam Johnson. Yep. Um, Rubio's a good point. Rubio's a good point guard. Booker's a killer. Like, an eight and is also quite good. Uh, Darcy, to answer, your que- to answer your question about who do I go for, I go for the Wizards. And a fun little tidbit of information is that they went to the bubble ninth placed in the east they left the bubble tenth placed in the east <laughs> if we're going if we're going by percentages and there's only nine teams from the east invited <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah but that's like one of those that's one of those records that's going to go down like in, in infamy like you know some some big man in the 80s played 73 games sorry 83 games in a year because he got traded from new york to detroit and mm. it's like oh well that's really cool like who the fuck are you but like awesome man like you got a record it's going to be one of the one of the things we remember from the bubble that somehow you went in in a group of nine and you came out 10th 
Uh, oh, I'm even, also mad said- that. Sorry, I'm also mad that I know that Michael Finley also had an 83-game season. As soon as you said that, I thought you were talking about Michael Finley. Uh, I was spending way too much time on basketball reference lately. <laughs> uh, I think Michael Finley uh, signals the end of the podcast, does it not? So, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you for listening to another episode of the Four Man Wave and someone send us off. See ya. <laughs>